good morning. Uh, for those of you who I have not met, if there are some, uh, I'm Pastor Cliff, and I have the privilege of being the intern, get a step in and kind of help things go forward. On that line, I, I want to tell you that uh, I work very closely with the elders, and um, uh, this is, I have done this, this is not the first time I have done this, I'll put it that way, and I've worked with a lot of different churches and elder boards, and uh, I just want to tell you that I am thrilled with the people that you have chosen as elders in this for Arbor, because the way they work together, the, the different different ways they see things, you have people who just see things from completely different perspectives, and it's wonderful the way that they all bring in those thoughts and uh, and and then and then find unity in the Holy Spirit on how to go forward with them. So uh, it's really a, an exciting thing, and, and I appreciate the way that they're going about, that you all are going about this. So last week, Brian got up, and you know, we... we Arbitrarily, as we've gone through this Romans chapter 8, we kind of arbitrarily assign different pieces of scripture to people, or I should say I did. <laughs> and, uh, and last week, Brian gets up and says, hey, this is so cool. I get to teach on one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And I thought, well, that is so neat. And then I realized today I get to do the same thing. So, yeah, woo, that's, that's what I thought, yeah. And... Uh, so we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. We're looking at, we've just been walking through this verse by verse. I think Romans chapter 8 is one of the most pivotal chapters in the Bible. It is so worth spending time on. And the reason it is, is because it gives us an understanding of our faith from the very beginning, kind of on through how God operates it and all that. And then this, what we are looking at today. To me, without understanding and knowing the principle that we're going to look at today, I'm not sure why somebody would want to stick with a Christian faith. I'm just being honest. This is it's that important as how God works in our lives together, okay? So let's look at our scripture right now. We'll get three verses. My favorite, which is Romans 8, 28, my life verse. And then we get two bonus verses on top of that. Here we go. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. All right, that's the scripture we're looking at right now. And to just kind of mash that up and put it into it, here's what I think we will see as we walk through this. God has a plan to turn our problems and our pain into praise. Amen. God's got a plan to do that. It's his plan written from the very beginning of the Bible, from the creation of Adam and Eve all the way through. We see God again and again having a plan to turn problems and pain into praise for him. For his kids, for his kids. I will, uh, I will never forget it. Uh, it goes back about six and a half years ago now uh, when my own personal worst fears were realized. And there was nothing I could do about it. There was nothing I could do myself about it. It was a week after my 41st anniversary. And that week later, the judgment was entered into by the judge at uh, my wife, former wife's request, and I was officially declared divorced. And I was devastated. I was 
absolutely just destroyed by saying, God, this is not what I thought. How in the world could this be happening? How, after all of these years, what, what is going on? What, what are you doing? What is happening here? Honestly, for me, uh, that, uh, that happening in my life was far worse than spending time in prison. Uh, for me personally. Now, maybe for some, that's not the case. And I fought to save my marriage. I prayed desperately for it. I, I've never prayed for anything so hard, so consistently, so persistently in my entire life. And from the first time that I was told I don't want to be married to you anymore, it was almost four years before it was, she finally said, I want to be married to someone else. I don't want to be married to you. And I was praying, God, where are you in this? How can this happen? How can this happen? How can we have survived so many difficult things and raised our children and have 15 grandchildren and now? Now of all, what, what is going on, God? Where are you in this? And, and as I prayed desperately like that, I, I will never forget it. It was as though I could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And, and for me, so often when he does, he asks questions. And I found that actually he knows the answer to them. Huh? He's just trying to make sure I do. And, and so he says, he, the Holy Spirit just impressed on my mind. He said, as I was saying that, I said, God, what is going on here? I, I, I'm, I'm praying and nothing has happened and nothing has happened. And, and now it looks like it's, it's all over. And, and where are you in this? And the Holy Spirit said, are you being about my purposes? And it was so clear. It was something I would never have thought of. I knew it was him. And I just stopped and I went, okay, okay. When he asks questions, I need to pay attention and think about how to answer this. And I thought, yeah, yes, I am. Lord, Lord you know I am. You know, I've, I've been trying to do exactly what you tell me to do. And, that, and, and that's what I've been walking in. And so I, I believe I am. And if I haven't, you need to show me. But Lord, I, I believe so. And he said, do you love me? And, and I thought, what in the world kind of question is that? Of course I do, Lord. I, I felt like Peter, you know, when Jesus was on the seashore after he, had, after he had denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus says, do you love me? And, and Peter finally says, Lord, after the third time, he says, you know I do. You know me. You know I do. And, th and that was my response as I said, Lord, you know me. It, you know it's not fake. You know I love you. You know I care so much for you. You know I don't know what to do without you. Yes, Lord, you know I do. And then he asked me the third question, do you trust me? And I thought, oh. And I said, yes, Lord, I, 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 I'm really trying to. I'm really trying to. And I said, Lord, I, I believe I do, but would you, would you help my unbelief? I felt like the father of the, of the little boy, the demoniac boy. God, when Jesus said, do you believe? He said, he said I believe. I help my unbelief. And, and so I said, yes, Lord, yes, I, I, I am. I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to walk in the way that you want me to walk. And then he said, in all things? And three times, in all things? And I said, I knew what he was talking about, what I'd just been talking to him about. 
Yes, Lord, I, I believe all things. Yeah, all. And I had to be honest. Lord, honestly, I, I can't see that in this situation. I don't know how you can turn it to good. I do not know how. My, ma- my imagination cannot even conceive of that right now. So I can only say I want to believe that in faith because you've called me to. And as soon as he said all things, this verse popped into my head. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who are, who love God and are called according to his purpose. I had memorized that verse for years, but I, I, I didn't even see it coming as he kind of walked me into it backwards. And all of a sudden it just popped into my head and there it was. Do you trust me to know that I will turn all things into good for you and in, for my glory? Lord, help me. Help me to believe that and walk in that. And so in tears, just saying, Lord, I'm trying to believe. Help my unbelief. And this is so important to us as believers because if we don't see our God as a good God, as he has demonstrated himself throughout the Bible as, then we won't understand what his plan is for us, how he can take anything and turn it into good. God has a plan to turn our problems into praise. And God's bigger than our problems. Amen? Amen. Man, that was weak. God's bigger than our problems. Amen? Amen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, wow. So would you read this verse out loud with me? I'm going to put it up on the screen right now. Romans 8, 28. Let's read it out loud. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Did I, I just, I just, I just missed that, didn't I? Wow. Wow. To those, okay, here we, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Give me another chance. Here we go. I'll read the screen this time. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There we go. Amen. Amen. All things. All. All things. And there are times in our lives when everything in us says, yeah, but. But maybe you don't get it, God. But maybe you don't understand completely, God. And he says, he, he says and we know. You know the word know? It means you learn by instruction. That's what no means. So you know something, you've learned it by instruction. We know by instruction, by God's word, by God's Holy Spirit speaking to us, by the evidence that we see that God causes all things to work together for good. So we are being instructed by that, that we can know the truth through his teaching, through our experiences. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen tragic situations worked out for good? Have you? Yes? 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 That's great. We've got one person who has. Uh, I think, have you looked around? Do Do you know the situation that seemed tragic and then you can see how God turns it into good? I have, and I know you have. 
In my own life, those things that have happened, some of them, now here's the key, I want you to get this, because some of you already are jumping ahead of me, and you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I'm believing you, but, and your big but is this, but I kind of was responsible for that. I kind of made some bad choices, and then these things happened. So it really, I, I can see where, where God does this for people who, you know, have always been walking with him, who've been good with him, who've done the things he's told them to do, and, and then something bad happens to them, and God comes along and goes, nope, I'm going to turn that into good for you and my glory. Just watch how I do that. I can get that, but God, I, I, I made this mess. I, I screwed this up. I, I'm the one who happens. So what about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, too. That, also. That, in addition to, God says, I will take care of that one, too. How, how do we know that, Lord? You give it to me. That's what he tells us to do. You give it to me. Now it's mine. And I'll make it good for you. Some of you have been cheated. Some of you have been stolen from. Most of you have been lied to. Some of you have been involved in infidelity on one side or the other. Some of you have gone through bankruptcy. Some of you have gone through prison. Some of you have gone through divorce. And a few of us have done all of those. And God says, I still can turn it to good. No matter how bad things are, God can use them for good. No matter how bad they are, God can use them for good. And he asks us to come to him, to trust him with that. We know that all things work together for good. Not some of them. Not the ones for Alex, but not, but not the ones for Jonathan. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. All of his kids, all of those things. That includes the trials and tribulations that we deal with. It includes the persecutions that we face as a result of our faith. Or even the poor choices that we have made. When we turn them over to him, God can and will turn all of those things into good. Now, I have to tell you that that does not mean that you will not need to and, and be, or that you will not live with the emotional and relational and even spiritual scars of some of those things happening in your life. And I can attest to that. But God has used my brokenness personally and has worked it out for good and has shown me how he's done those things now, again and again, how he is good to his promises. I was thinking about this uh, message this past week, and I thought about, yeah, in fact, my wife reminded me, she says, yeah, but you still have some of the regrets. Yes, yes. I have regrets about any poor decision I've ever made. Any of you have regrets about poor decisions? Good, the rest of you are liars. Yeah. Yeah, we all regret making a poor decision. And God says, but you give me that poor decision, and I can actually, and I will turn it to good. That's God's word for you and I. Hmm. Now, I happen to believe that the apostle Paul still regretted killing Christians before he met Jesus. I'm saying after he met Jesus, he still regretted that. I doubt there was a day that he, that went by that Paul didn't think, man, I can't believe I did that. 
And I think that's one of the reasons that Romans chapter 8 is so important because Paul is actually defining for us his own understanding of the faith. And that's why it started. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, man, I need to own that. I need to claim that. I need to live with that. Because every day when I get up and I see these beautiful people coming to Jesus and Jesus making a difference in their lives and I see what the faith of Christ does for all of the culture around us and and people being saved from hell and moving into a place of eternity with Christ in heaven. And Paul says, I see all of that and I think, oh, and I put some of them there too early. I shortened their life. That's on me. And God says, there is no condemnation, Paul. There is no condemnation. You have brought that to me. That has been forgiven. That's been cleansed. That's been clean. Of course, you're going to have regrets about that. But watch. I am going to turn it to good. To good. To good. Not just for God, for us. For us, because God cares about us, because God loves us that completely. And oh, you say, Cliff, that's a good example of Paul. Do you have any others? Yeah, yeah. Cliff's one, but let's look at the Bible and look at some other ones. Joseph in Genesis, the book of Genesis, sold into slavery by his own brothers. Holy cow, that's not a good day. Your brothers turn against you and they actually sell you into slavery and you go into a different country, don't even speak the language or anything else. Now you're a slave in that country and every time you try to make a good decision, it seems to go in reverse on you. It seems to go bad. And here he's doing now good as a slave. You know, he, he, before he wasn't a slave, he was, he was gentrified. He, had, he was the loved child of his father. And now he's a slave in this household and he moves up and now he's running the household. And then all of a sudden, bam, you'll have to read about it yourself. If you haven't, he winds up in prison. So, so things seem to go from bad to worse to worstest. If that's a word, you know, I mean, it got ugly and there he is in prison and then God still, even in prison, I love this. It says that God, God uh, favored him. I, I think I'd like to be favored and not be in prison. Thank you very much. You know, but, but he was given favor in prison and then God takes him out of that situation. And, and what we see is that God was at work in all of those things. In fact, what Joseph said, so now Joseph has a chance to get even. You got got to read the story if you haven't. It's an amazing story. He he has a chance to get even. He's now the second to to the command in in the land of Egypt. And here comes his brothers wanting something. They don't recognize him. And he sees his brother and he's got a chance to Now's a chance, baby. I get to bring justice. I got a chance to get them back. They're in my hands now. I can do whatever I want to with them. I can crush them for what they did for me. 17 years I've been away from home. 17 years I've struggled with these things. 17 years I've gotten put pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And finally, finally, I'm in a place where I, have a, where I can see that somehow God has been turning this to good, and now here they come. <laughs> oh, God, thank you for this. No. Now, what he says instead in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, even though you planned evil against me, God planned good to come out of it. This was to keep many people alive as he is doing now. Friends, God's word provides proof of his plans for our troubles. 
It just does. Again and again, he gives us more proof of that. Genesis uh, 50 verse 20 is really the Old Testament equivalent of Romans 8, 28. Can you see it in there? That, 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 uh, that, and we know that in all things, God works them for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. There it is right there. You planned evil against me, but God planned good to come out of it. And here's the result of that. You're familiar with the story of Jonah who runs from God. That's his own fault. It's a bad thing. Winds up in the belly of a fish. Thinks he's going to die. God's having him spit out to be able to preach to the people of Nineveh. They come to God. That's a good thing. God turns it into good. Whose fault was that? Oh, yeah, it was Jonah who was disobeying God. It was Jonah who was running the other direction. It was Jonah who was ignoring God. And you say, I've done all those things. Yeah, you're not... You're not in terrible company. Look around. Most of us have at one time or another. And God says, but I can still turn it to good. Why? Because you love me. Ah, you're called according to my purpose. No matter how bad things are, God can use them for good. Let's jump to the New Testament. Paul and Silas, they, they free a little girl who is demon-possessed. They, they cast the demon out of her, and she is healed from that. And, and, and what a good thing to do. And then they're beaten and thrown into prison for, for doing it. What a bad thing to have happened to them. And then when they're in prison, uh, the, the earthquake, and they get out of prison, and they end up talking to the jailer, and the jailer ends up coming to Christ. So a good thing, bad thing, good thing, and God's going, I'm, I'm there. I'm there through it all. I'm there through every one of your pieces. Just look, look for me. Look for me. They, they've been, they were whipped. They were demeaned. They were treated horribly. Your temporal pain can result in someone else's eternal gain. When you hold your temporal pain like this and you say, here it is, God. How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to deal with it? And God may have you do some weird things. Huh? Listen to him, because he may have you do some weird things. The two of those guys are in prison, and, and their, their backs are lacerated and opened up from being whipped, and they're in a very uncomfortable place in a dungeon, and they begin to sing praise. Say what? Yeah. They begin to sing songs of praise to God. And then God moves again and turns it into good. No matter how bad things are, God can use them for good. The early church... <laughs> They just started growing like crazy. And then about time Paul began to persecute them, they began getting persecuted by others as well. And all of a sudden, the persecution was horrible, a terrible, bad thing going on in Jerusalem. But guess what happened? People spread out. They left. It was actually called a dispersion because they just dispersed all over the place to get away from the persecution. And we think, what a terrible, bad thing. But yet Acts 8.4 says, But the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. <laughs> God going, ah, hmm. I know in all things they'll work together for good. Now I'm getting you out there and the word is being spread out there and you're engaged in it. Jim Elliott wanted to be a missionary to the Indian tribes. And it was very dangerous, South America. His friends asked him, said, why would you do this? Why would you risk your life to go down there? Because you know, this is really risky. You could be martyred. You may not come back alive. He had a standard answer that he gave. You may be familiar with it. Here's what he said. Why wouldn't I give up what I can't keep in exchange for that which I can never lose? 
Why wouldn't I give up what I can't keep? I know I can't keep my life. I know my life is going to end up being done sooner or later. Why would I worry about trying to hold on to it, trying to keep it for protect it, try to, why would I do that when I can give it, just allow God to do whatever he wants and know that I can never lose what I get in exchange for giving myself to him. I can never lose. Wow. He ended up being martyred. Martyred by that tribe that he was trying so hard to reach. And his wife didn't stop the mission. She believed that in all things, God can turn them to good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. She said, I've been called to this tribe in spite of the fact that they've killed my husband. And before it was done, the majority of that tribe, including the ones who had killed her husband, came to Jesus Christ, Amen. to a relationship with him. God has a plan to turn our problems and our pain into praise, whatever we're facing. But there are two important conditions. Did you see that in that verse? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So the promise is only there for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. How do we know if we really love him? How do we know if we're really, I, I mean, you know, when he asked me that question, I, I, of course I do. You know I do. You can see how I'm trying to live my life. Well, John wrote in John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. Uh, how many of you <clears throat> uh, that are currently married have never seen your spouse mess up? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, how, how many of you... <laughs> Raise it, nice, nice, Timo. Raise, raise your wife's hand. She hasn't, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. Oh, oh, oh. So, so, wait a minute. Now, now reverse it. How about yourself? Have you ever done anything inappropriate? Done anything that might have hurt your spouse? Done anything that might not have been the best? Oh, now he's got his hand up by himself. See that? That's good. That's honesty. I love that. I love that. She didn't see him. <laughs> she didn't see him. Okay. So here's the deal. I love that. She didn't see him. God does. God does. But, and this is why this is so important, friends. This is so important. If you are allowing the stuff you've done that isn't right down the middle, that isn't what it should have been to keep you from living the way Jesus Christ wants you to, I'm begging you to get over that, to get past that. There is therefore no condemnation. Let it go in Jesus he says, I've got th I'm going to turn it to good. Would you get out of the way and let me do it? Bring it to me. I'll own it. I'll take care of it. And I will turn it in a way that it will bring glory to me. And it will be for your good as well. All right, now let's look at verse number 29. I, let me, before we do that real quick, I, I just got to say this. I just make it really absolutely clear. There is no expectation of perfection. Amen. Hmm, hmm. He, it's, it's, it's our heart. Do we desire to keep his commandments? When he says it's those who have my commandments, well, we know what his commandments are. 
I don't care if you can quote the, the 10 or not. You, you know if you're doing right or wrong. That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's directing you as to what's right or wrong. He, what he's concerned about is our heart. And, and I've got to tell you that in my case, man, I wanted reconciliation so bad. And I can remember praying about it and saying, God, would you please reconcile my marriage? Am I praying wrong here? What is going on? How come I'm not seeing this? And God made it very clear. No, 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 you're not praying wrong. In fact, he, he, he asked me a question. In fact, tell me my character. Tell me my character. And the first thing I heard coming out of my mouth was, you're a God of reconciliation. And, and, and I gotta be honest with you, I don't think I would've ever said that myself. You know what I mean? I'm, I would've started with, your, your, your God is love. You're, you love, you're compassionate, you're merciful. Somewhere along the line, I'd've got to reconciliation, but that was a thing that just popped out of my mouth, and I knew then that that was the Holy Spirit. You're a God of reconciliation. He said, that's right, I am. But I'm also a God of choice. I allow choice. Because I want all of those who are, love me and are called according to my purpose to have the choice to love me. Because otherwise you don't know if it's real love or not, do you? So I've given choice. So what happens if the choice isn't the way you want it to go? That's not what I was looking for. What I was looking for is to do it my way. And he says, yeah but it's not about your way, it's about my way. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to work that out? Okay, Lord, here it is. Here it is. Why would God do it that way? What's, why would he handle our lives that way? Here's verse 29. It explains part of that for us. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So let's, let's break that down a minute because the answer is right there. The word foreknew means to approve of beforehand. All right? It means to approve of beforehand. What it means is that from eternity past, God knew he would approve everyone who accepted his son. God knew it in advance that he would approve everyone who accepted his son and that if they accepted Jesus, he would accept them. So those of us who've accepted Jesus and what he's done for us, who love him, are called now according to his purposes. So there's the two reasons. We'll be conformed, he says, in the image of Jesus. Conformed means a likeness inside and out. So in other words, we're going to become more and more like Jesus, a thorough change, not just a superficial uh, resemblance. It's con conformed to the image of Jesus. It's about being transformed. And the Bible is real clear the way we get transformed is in how we think. And so Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Oh, man, is it, God said, I'm going to show you this. I got a plan to turn your problems, your pain, into praise. And the first reason I want to do that is so that you'll be conformed. You'll be transformed. You'll become more and more like me. You'll be an attraction to people to draw them to me so that I can love them. Why? Because that's the second reason. So that I can have a larger family. So that Jesus can have more siblings in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Hmm. So now let's look at verse 30. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also, who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Oh, mercy sakes. Predestined, called, justified, glorified. What does all that mean, putting that together? Let's just walk through it. Predestined, God predetermined that those who accepted Jesus would be accepted by him. God predetermined that. It's already done. Called. He says that those whom he predestined, he also called. So the ones that are predestined to glory, those who accept the call of the gospel. And so he's saying the call is open. You accept Jesus, that you've accepted the call. We know this in 2 Timothy 2.4. He tells us that, that God desires all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, so what he's saying is this, from before time began, I've decided, I predestined, I predetermined that if you accept Jesus, I am going to accept you. And then you have the chance to accept that call and begin to live into that. Those who reject the call are lost, but those who accept the call are saved. And they are not only saved, he says, but they are justified. And justified just means that we are declared innocent. We can't declare ourselves innocent. No, only God can declare us innocent. So God says, no, that person loves me. Jesus has paid the price for their sins. It's paid for, it's done. They're justified. They're now innocent from my perspective, from God's perspective. It's done for those who answer the call of Jesus. And then he says, they're glorified. So when it's all said and done, we're going to see God working through our lives in that way, and we will receive our inheritance in full from God. Not just now, but we will have stored up treasure in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. And that's when we'll step into the second part of the blessing that God gives us and continues to give us for eternity. God has a plan to turn our problems into praise, and no matter how bad things are, he will use them for good. I want to remind you of this story in closing. Uh, you've, I'm, I'm sure maybe you've heard it before, but it's, it's such a great example. It was 1871, and the great Chicago fire wiped out a good part of Chicago. And along with it, it wiped out the investment portfolio of a man named Horatio Spafford, who was a prominent lawyer at the time. He was also a devout Christian. Two years after he lost everything, they, they uh, had enough to get together. To, the family decided to take a vacation in Europe. And uh, he got detained, last minute, got detained on business and stayed home, said, I'll catch up with you guys later. And he sent his wife, Anna, and four daughters across the, uh, the ocean in the, on the SS Villa de Haver. On November 21, 1873, that ship that they were on was rammed midship by a British vessel and sank within minutes. Anna was somehow saved, but the four girls all drowned. It took nine days for her, Anna, to arrive in Wales, where she cabled Horatio and said, I want to read it because it was just, saved alone, what shall I do? And he cabled back that he would meet her there and left immediately. And as he crossed the Atlantic on a ship himself, the captain called him up to the deck one night when, when they were passing over the spot of the watery grave of his four little girls. And as he stood on the railing of that deck, looking at, down at those waves, he wrote these words. When peace 
like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. No matter how bad things are, God can use them for good. He went on to write that, that third verse that I love, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought that my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And he concludes that writing by saying, and Lord, haste the day. Haste the day when my faith shall be sight. In other words, when I can see you coming, when all of this doesn't matter so much anymore because I'm going to step into eternity with you, when the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, he said, it is well with my soul. And when we believe God's words from Romans 8, 28, And we know that in all things, God has a plan to turn our problems, our pain, into praise. And he wants you and I to step into that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. And as they do, I want to ask you a question. um, If you are in a situation now where you just need to see God turn it to good, or maybe someone you love is in that place, uh, I, I'm gonna ask you to, to I'm, I'm gonna ask you in just a second, just to raise your hand to acknowledge that either you are or someone you know is, and what we really want is for God to show up in that, and for God to, uh, to make himself real and to speak to us in ways that we can recognize him in that. And so uh, we're gonna pray for that. I'm gonna, we're gonna stand in just a second and do that. And if you're online, I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing. So uh, why don't you stand up right now? And then um, if you're in that place yourself, or you know of someone that is so hurt, that is so right now that you need God to intervene. I want you just to raise your hand and hold it up there a minute. And the reason we do this is so you're just acknowledging to God, I know someone or it's me, Lord. I need your influence. I need your help. So keep it up for a second. If you're online, I want you to do the same thing, to acknowledge to him. And we're going to pray right now for that. Lord Jesus, you see every hand that is up here, and you see the ones online and the people who would ever watch this. So, Holy Spirit, we are praying that you, by your power, by your might, would intercede in those lives, that they would see that when you say you will turn all things into good, it is a a promise that is made by God Almighty, and that we can expect it, that we can live into it, and that we will see the fruits of it. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, we promise, we promise that we'll give you glory for that. Because that's what we want to see happen. And God, we pray for it to also happen for the good of those that they might love you more and remain called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen. We're going to keep worshiping. I want to give you this blessing as we do. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so that you can live a life knowing that God turns all things into good for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.